welcome to the CEC report for the 2nd of March 2018. I'm Elisa Barwick and joining me today is CEC leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome Craig. Yeah, thanks Elisa. And on today's show, APRA lies when grilled in Senate on bail-in powers and government MP breaks ranks on economy warns a crash is coming. So firstly, APRA lies when grilled in Senate on bail-in powers. So Craig, this week, um, the issue of the APRA bail-in bill, as we've reported about regularly on the show, and it's otherwise known as the Financial Sector Legislation Amendment, which gives crisis resolution powers to APRA if there's a financial crisis. Um, that means APRA will be able to step in and run the bank secretly and confiscate certain types of holdings in the bank to refund the bank. Uh, and what we've made clear all along through this campaign is that it was not excluding deposits. Yeah. So we ran a big campaign on that and we made significant progress, but the bill did pass and it is now legislation. However, the passage of that legislation has backfired massively and the reaction to our campaign since this bill went through has been rather extraordinary. We've had a great explosion in our social media presence. We had a thousand percent increase the next day to our website traffic. Uh, and we've also seen a number of other various prominent economists and authorities using our material, citing our material and warning of the dangers of this now that this bill has passed. So some of them came a bit late to the game, unfortunately, but nevertheless, um, the government's going to have a big uh, backlash to deal with now. And I'll just mention a few of the reactions that we've seen. Uh, we had Martin North of Digital Finance Analytics who extensively reviewed the new law in a video titled In a Banking Crisis, Are Bank Deposits Safe? We had Philip Seuss of LF Economics and Professor of Economics Steve Keane, who's uh, at a university in the UK now, but an Australian, uh, both tweeted reactions to Dr Wilson's size intervention. He was the former APRA researcher who had a lot to say about the dangers of this legislation and about the CEC mobilisation. There was John Guian of Knowledge Source who wrote an article, Bad News, Your Money in the Bank, Gonski in 60 Seconds. And they actually linked to our campaign and our website at the end of that article. And another one, interesting one that just came in, I think it was yesterday, uh, was there was a tweet that was put out by Bank Reform Now. They posted about this bill. Um, this is a, a banking uh, reform um, grassroots movement. And um, someone reacted to that post by saying, um, what are these folks on about? Seven is not enough to vote on anything. And did you guys abstain? And they posted the pictures, we'll put it up on the screen, of the seven senators who were there when the bill passed. And obviously their question was, you know, how can you get a bill passed on just seven senators in the House? And they said, remember these faces, remember the names, because they are the seven senators present out of 76 that have allowed the criminal banks to steal your money in case of a global financial crisis through bail-in laws. This is a real scandal, Lisa, because people didn't realise that legislation can just be pushed through the parliament with only seven senators in the, in, in the chamber in this case, yeah, right? So this thing legal. is basically rubber stamped. And this is what really has got a lot of people worried, is it, how could this be the case? And so... These are the people that were in the chamber at the time, and, mm. and well, but just I want to say that you know there was there was a process under foot, uh, underway here, that one of the uh, One Nation Party was going to put up an amendment. They had a they had an undertaking from the government at that time, the Liberal Party government, that was checking out the amendment, 
and this bill was pushed through as that process was undertaken. Yes. And that amendment was to exclude deposits <clears throat> from this bill. Yep. So the government pushed it through anyway. So that shows you just how much of an intention there is for yeah. bail-in powers to be included in this law. That amendment would have said simply that this Act shall not include a power to write off or convert deposits. That's so you have to ask the question, why did the government uh, ram it through in such a way when they had uh, told One Nation that they were going to because process the, that look, the amendment? The intention all along is to have bail-in powers. Mm -hmm. And this is why we use the title APRA lies when grilled, is because that is their intention. Mm. Their intention is to take deposits. They have to have this power to save their system. Now, Not save deposits, their system. Exactly. Now, the problem is you've got bankers that were on the Economics Legislation Committee that looked at this, and Peter Wish-Wilson would put the tweet back up because he responded to this thing about the seven senators saying, uh, not sure exactly what they're on, but certainly not this planet. And he's referring to us. He said, I think they're called the CEC, Citizens Electoral Council. Now, of course, he well knows who we are. But the other factor here is that he's a banker. Senator Jane Hume, who you're about to see in the video clip that we're about to play, is also a banker. Because what we'll show now, uh, this is a clip in the Senate Estimates Committee of Senator Pauline Hanson raising uh, the bail-in legislation to... Um, Wayne Byers, the head of APRA, and first of all, in this first clip, uh, she raises the, um, the financial claims scheme and whether it is real or not. In the last session of Parliament, the financial sector legislation amendment, that's the Crisis Resolution Powers and Other Measures Bill 2017, the provisions was passed. Yes. According to the report on this bill by the Senate Economics Legislation Committee, this Parliament understands that bank deposits are protected by the Financial Claims um, Scheme, the FCS. Yes. I note the Senate Economics Legislation Committee report states, and I quote, the FCS provides protection to deposits held in financial institutions and to policies with general insurers in the event that a financial institution fails. The FCS will be activated by the Australian Government when an institution fails and once activated, will be administered by APRA. The question which many voters are very worried about is, and I am anxious to have verified by APRA is, are bank deposits currently protected by the FCS? That is, is the financial claim scheme currently activated? Sorry, is it currently? Activated. Well, it's not currently activated in the sense that it's only activated when a bank fails, uh, but, uh, if it is activated, so if a bank fails and the government activates the scheme, then depositors in ADIs uh, up to the amount of $250,000 are protected. So it is, so basically so the legislation is, is there, it's it is available. If, 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 the, uh, if the circumstances arise that a bank fails, uh, the, you know, the mechanisms are there for it to work. Uh, the government, in a sense, switches it on and we go through the process then of making sure that depositors, as I said, up to the limit of $250,000 per ADI 
uh, get their money. You're protecting it. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, bank accounts are protected. A lot of work over the last couple of years around implementation of the financial claim scheme, working with industry to put in place prudential standards around reporting and um, reporting to us and reporting to the Reserve Bank on the amounts that are protected, and also um, running trial runs of the provision of information to the Reserve Bank to test that when the the FCS is activated, that banks will be able to. Um, actually, uh, and APRA and, and the RBA will actually be able to effectively get money to depositors within the timeframes that are specified. And, and just as a follow-up, sorry, Senator Hanson, you're absolutely right. There was some considerable concern from a particular group called the Citizens Electoral Council, who actually are a political party. But I understand that APRA submitted to that inquiry, that particular legislation inquiry, and, 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 yeah. and so testified our, to that extent. And so did the RBA and so did ASIC, and they said that those that those powers are not at all a threat to depositors. Our, our, as I said in my opening statement, our core purpose set out in the Banking Act is protect depositors. And the FCS is there um, to make sure that particularly retail depositors, but depositors with amounts up to $250,000 uh, are not at risk of losing their money should a bank fail. So that's guaranteed by the government. It's, it's definitely there, so there's no problems with it. Guaranteed. That's right. The way it works is that uh, if needed, uh, there's an appropriation that exists that can be drawn on to give depositors their money, and then there's a mechanism by which that cost is um, spread over the rest of the industry and recouped from the rest of the ABI sector. So it's not a cost to the taxpayer, uh, and it's certainly um, there to protect the depositors. All right, Craig, we'll take that apart after the break. <laughs> So we just saw this clip, Craig, of Paul, Senator Pauline Hanson quizzing Wayne Byers, the APRA chairman, about the financial claims scheme and whether it's you know, really good for what they say it's good for. Now, one of the main lies that Wayne Byers tells there is he keeps saying again and again, our primary focus is protecting depositors. Our core purpose is to protect depositors. But that's not exactly the truth, is well, it? No, let's go back and look at the legislation and you'll find that there's another role there and it's what they call... The protecting the financial stability of the system. Yep. So, i.e., protect the banks first. They're worried about the financial stability, and that's what the entire International Financial Stability Board is about, protecting that financial stability. But also, uh, Senator Jane Hume yesterday put out, or on the 1st of March, put out a circular saying that they've just changed the definition of prudential matters. Now, this is APRA we're talking about, the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority, to say... The prudential matters is being changed to include the words to protect the interests of depositors of any ADI. Not to protect deposits, mm -hmm. but to protect the interests of deposits. The big yep. difference. So when we went to push through or try to get this amendment through to protect deposits, mm. didn't go through, right? No. So the important thing is that Dr. Wilson Sai, who worked as the, uh, you know, the chief investigator, um, researcher for APRA for many years, he made that point. Yep. They're concerned first and foremost for stability of the system, and financial stability of the and system. And he pointed out in the new legislation that it gives APRA the ability to choose one over the other, like it used to be equally deposits and financial stability, but now in complete secrecy they can put one, prioritise one above the other. Yeah. So and, that, think, and that, that's the key thing. And look, it's the other thing about the you know, $20 billion per bank you know, the financial claim scheme is going to be able to fund all of this, put the actual so-called deposits that are, that are so-called covered from mm -hmm. all the big four banks, it's $1.6 trillion. There's no way that our 
yeah. budget's going to cover that, any mechanism's going to cover that. It is all smoke and mirrors. We've said this for many, many years. It's all designed to give the illusion that somehow we're covered. Mm -hmm. it's, not it's not designed to work at all. No, Full no, stop. they don't have the money for it. Now, the other point that um, Byers makes there is that he says, um, he keeps saying that basically when a bank fails, then the financial claim scheme will be activated. Okay, fair enough. However, the whole point of bail-in legislation is to stop a bank from failing. Yeah. So you don't get to that point. So That's you right. wouldn't even be having the opportunity to activate the financial claim scheme because you've already decided the bank is failing or about to fail and that's the standard and then you'd be doing your bail-in before you even get to the point of the actual bank failure where the financial claim scheme could be activated. So it's, yeah, as you said, it's all smoke and mirrors. Yep. Um, it's all lies. It's all designed to, to protect the banking system if they were serious that amendment would have gone through, deposits would have been protected. We would have had Glass-Steagall, actually, because that's the real solution here. Separate out the entire speculative uh, and investment banking system that we have now from the necessary commercial protect deposits, and we won't have this discussion. We don't have this need to have this discussion. Now, we'll show another clip from that same hearing where Pauline asks about bail-in, and just note that she means Cyprus, not Crete. Just, I've had a lot of concerns from people getting in touch with my office and uh, they're actually really concerned. It's under the Crisis Resolution Powers and Other Measures Act, which empowers APRA to make determinations in secrecy to access private depositors' accounts in time of financial crisis to meet monetary demands. Would APRA state categorically the Act does not grant APRA that power? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a bit unsure of the specific act. I don't know whether uh, any of my colleagues have uh, an answer. Clearly, under that power, uh, under that whole arrangement when you have a bank failure, part of the information we need is who are the depositors, what are their accounts, how much money have they got, so that we can exercise the financial claim scheme to get them the money. So if, if it's information about depositors, uh, it's essential we have that information so that we make sure the payments go to the right people who are eligible to receive them for the right amounts. Um, what I'm, you know, we've got past, you know, guarantee the, the depositors there yep. up to $250,000. What I'm saying is, in reverse now, if there's a crisis in this country, can depositors' monies be um, taken from them? So in the... Uh, um, in the Banking Act, so essentially if you're less than $250,000, the financial claim scheme kicks in, you get your money. Uh, for all depositors, be they uh, individual people, be they businesses, large corporates who have more than $250,000, the next thing the Banking Act says is uh, depositors have priority over the assets of the bank over everybody else. So other creditors of the bank. My question was... So they're was, first in the queue. In a crisis in this country, yeah. can you enact to actually take the money out of depositors' accounts, as happened in Crete in, in Greece? No, we don't... We do not you have the power... Take, we you do cannot. not have the power to... Uh, to bail in is the sort of common language term, yeah. depositors' money. Right, Senator right. Hanson, I think that that question has been asked and answered numerous times and we might move on. Senator Ketter. So, you know, there's a lot of technical details here, Craig, but for new viewers, 
call us and we'll send you a complimentary copy of our Australian Alert Service because this is our weekly publication where we document uh, exactly all the details and we lay it out. So we can't, we don't have time to do that all today. No. But let's just take up one point where um, obviously what Pauline Hanson was ultimately trying to get at is can deposits be confiscated via bail-in? And you saw him utter the word bail-in quite hesitantly there at one point. Um, but ultimately he's, sa he's saying no. So he's lying because what we made very clear is that the wording of this legislation allows APRA to change the, the definition of other instruments that could be bailed in. And the, the uh, amendment that One Nation was going to put forward, which was blocked, and they rushed it through and they got it passed with seven senators, was to specify that, that it would, would have ruled out that wording, it would have ruled out that um, opening for, that, for such a change to take place. Yeah, I think that's the key here, at least. This is, again, coming back to they want to protect their system to hell with depositors. The fact that this has not been excluded, right? Yeah. Right now, right now things are relatively calm compared to a full-blown financial crisis. Yes. When a full-blown financial crisis happens, you've got banks crashing and all sorts of things, mm. right? They can, they can look at that legislation and say, well, is there anything that stops us from having bail-in? No. That's right. Because it hasn't been excluded. Exactly. And that's so the key here. We've got to have another quick break, but we're going to talk about that coming financial crash after this. Welcome back to the CEC Report. Government MP breaks ranks on economy, warns a crash is coming. So there were a number of other very interesting things that came up in these hearings. Among them, it really drew out actually APRA's complicity in creating the financial bubble we're now facing, in particular in regard to the big debate about the liar loans and lax lending standards that is going to be made a major issue in the Royal Commission. And Wayne Byers didn't really want to go there on that. He was you know, feigning ignorance on everything. Um, but one person who did raise the real issue in Parliament this week, which was very good, uh, was Tim Wilson, the Liberal member for Goldstein. So he made a speech in Parliament on Tuesday, um, which when you see the footage, you'll see there was almost no one there again. Um, but he uh, spoke about the warnings of John Adams, who was a former economic advisor to um, Abbott and Turnbull governments, where he just this last month has updated his uh, quite infamous warning about an economic Armageddon coming. So he made that originally a year ago. He's just updated it. And I just want to roll the clip showing um, Tim Wilson's summary of that. This parliament must confront the serious economic risks on our horizon and the structural imbalances in our economy. The warning, warning signs are all there. We have alarming rates of public and private debt low interest rates, inflated asset prices and excessive public spending. As economist John Adams argued, Australian household debt has never been higher. Now at nearly 200 per cent as a proportion of disposable income, household savings have slumped, the US share market is now in a bigger bubble than 1929, risky derivatives are now being sold in significant quantities and global debt is 80 trillion more than it was in 2008. Australia is completely exposed to global economic shocks. Many households are now inadvertently exposed to international markets and foreign policy makers. Last year, 12 Australian banks, six major Canadian banks and China's sovereign debt were downgraded by Moody's Investor Service. In addition, S&P has downgraded 23 small to medium Australian financial institutions at the risk of falling property prices. Debt has gone from an advanced economy problem to a global problem. There are a number of warning signs that we need to wake up to. First, we have record low interest rates, 
and Australia has its lowest official rates on record, with the Reserve Bank of Australia's cash rate sitting at 1.5 per cent. From April 1990 to September 2008, the average RBA cash rate was 6.29 per cent. The long-term cash rate average since the last recession is around 5.2 per cent. In response to low rates, Australians have borrowed strongly and are heavily leveraged. Second, we have overvalued housing assets, and the expansion of cheap credit by the RBA has been thrust into the housing prices over the last 25 years. Credit to housing's proportion of Australia's GDP has risen from 21.07% in 1991 to 95.33 last year. Over the same period, credit which has been indirected at the business sector or to other personal expenses remained relatively stable as a portion of GDP. The influence of American quantitative easing has been particularly disastrous. As Rupert Murdoch said in his 2014 speech to G20 finance ministers, quantitative easing has increased the price of assets such as stocks and real estate, and that has helped first and foremost those who already have assets. Quantitative easing has shamefully amounted to direct wealth transfer from the young and working to the established and well-off. Third, we have record Australian household debt. As RBA Governor Philip Lowe stated last year, that a continuing source of uncertainty is the outlook for household consumption as a consequence of household debt. Unsurprisingly, households with mortgages are most likely to be over-indebted, particularly those with investment property finance. The average household mortgage debt-to-income ratio has risen from around 120 per cent in 2012 to 140 per cent at the end of 2017. Interest-only loans have skyrocketed over recent years. By early 2017, 40 per cent of the debt did not require principal repayments, though we need to acknowledge regulators have made an effort to address this. This isn't just a property investor's problem either. It also, of course, includes owner-occupiers. The RBA puts Australia's household debt as proportion of disposable income at a record of almost 200 per cent. Household debt is at a record high and now surpasses the level of the 1880s and the 1920s, the two periods which preceded the great, two great economic depressions experienced in Australian history. Fourth, record Australian net foreign debt sitting at just shy of $1 trillion, or more than 56 per cent of GDP. As a country, that leaves us dangerously exposed, particularly against a global backdrop of huge amounts of debt across the United States and China. Speaking, speaker, in short, things are hotting up. Things are hotting up. The reality is our current policy settings are not adequate to deal with the economic downturn that may come. William White, the chair of the Economic and Development Review Committee of the OECD, wrote recently in the Financial Times that continuing on the current monetary path is ineffective and increasingly dangerous. But any reversal also creates huge risks. So, you know, that's, it's rare for our politicians to hear that in Parliament, not that it'll probably get much publicity. But unfortunately, from there, he went on to talk about solutions which were not correct because, you know, he was taking it from the neoliberal um, framework that we currently have. So he talked about austerity and such like. But, Craig, what are the real solutions if we want to deal with what he just mapped out? Well, Lisa, look, we've been talking about this a lot on the show and you viewers may not be aware of it. But first of all, we have to deal with all this APRA stuff. And we've actually created legislation for that. We're in the process of finalising it. We'll talk about more about this on the show in the next couple of weeks. But we are going to be dealing with APRA because it's a, it's a criminal organisation and it needs to be reined in. That's the first thing. But we need to go with Glass-Steagall. They to separate out the legitimate necessary banking system from the, uh, from the speculative investment banking system. We need Glass-Steagall break up the banks. We need a national bank 
that is a bank that acts on the interests of creating large amounts of credit for large-scale infrastructure development projects to stimulate the economy. And through simulating the physical economy, we put large numbers of people back to work. We've said a lot about this on our program. People should go to our website and see more about this. Mm. Otherwise, if they want more information or want to talk to someone about this, call our 1-800 number. Call and get a copy of the alert service. But more important, people need to be involved. Yeah. Otherwise, you won't change things. You've got to put pressure on your MP, so give them a ring about this. So thanks for tuning in and join us again next week.